This is the Pennyworth podcast from TV Podcast Industries. We're back in DC's Batverse with Pennyworth Season 3, Episodes 1, 2, and 3. I haven't heard that music in a while. Absolutely. Gosh, <laughs> feel old. <laughs> we're back on the TV podcast industries with the Pennyworth podcast. Uh, we're talking about season three of the show. Uh, the first three episodes were released on HBO Max, a brand new channel for the third season of Pennyworth. Uh, I'm one of your hosts for TV podcast industries, Derek. Yes, welcome back, fellow Gothamites, dare I say it. Mm. Yes. Maybe future Gothamites? Or oh, future Gothamites, yes. Uh, we're certainly not in Gotham City mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination, but I am one of your other hosts, John. Yes, good to be back, fellow governors, with our chats about Pennyworth. Been a long time. If you're just joining us for the first time on TV Podcast Industries, we have been covering the shows Gotham and Pennyworth for now eight years. If you can think of it like that. Five seasons of Gotham. And this is the <laughs> well, third season I of feel really old you now. <laughs> I feel really old. I have to say, I this was an unexpected surprise getting a season three when mm-hmm. it was announced. Um, yeah, I just I just didn't think it was um, necessarily going to get picked up. Yep. But, uh, you know, fur dues to the team behind Pennyworth that Absolutely. it has. And, of course, it comes with a little tagline now, the origins of Batman's butler. Yes, yes. So, yes. I'm not too sure why they added that. No, I'm not too sure either, but I'm guessing, given the changes that we've seen in this first episode that Mm -hmm. we're going to cover, then it's getting a little bit more familiar, you know? And now the Americans are involved, not just evil right-wing authoritarian ravens Mm -hmm. Uh, and by that i mean the political party from the first two seasons and not the fantastic nfl team uh, from baltimore (laughs) True, very true very true yes the raven uh, society who became the raven union yes i remember if i remember correctly it it is well done (laughs) and just so you know uh fellow fellow governors if you're just joining us for pennyworth season three all episodes of Pennyworth are available on HBO Max, and all episodes of Gotham are available on HBO Max. And we have an episode for each one of those uh, shows yes, on our and podcast. and more, because mm-hmm. we did about 25 podcasts building up to Gotham. That's right. Um, looking at um, Gotham Central mm-hmm. comic series by um, Brubacher, yeah. and also looking at the Christopher Nolan films at the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. So, yeah, there was a, a, a fair number of... Uh, Dare I say it, lead-in podcasts yeah, to this. And then, unfortunately, it didn't get released at the same time as the US show. That's right. That's right. But very different for Pennyworth. With its new channels comes uh, three episodes in, in a one go and then one episode a week, uh, every week now for the uh, for the next seven weeks. Yes, we will be covering it at the, the schedule of HBO, mm. uh, which, of course, is only available in the US. We've been lucky enough to get um, all the episodes uh, as screeners for Mm -hmm. this season so we're able to release it as the the schedule in the u.s which is you know few in that sense because otherwise it's a bit like gotham um, for season one but as well it's a little disappointing for you know certainly um the 
the British members of the cast and crew yeah. uh, and production team and so on that have done a lot of this filming that they've got season three coming out and they can only really promote it for the US at the moment, yeah, exactly. uh, not in the UK. So it must be so weird to make a show yeah. when you can't like sit down with your family and watch it on telly. Yeah, definitely. That's very odd. That's very odd. But all that said, Let's get into our discussion about Pennyworth, uh, Season 3, Episodes 1, 2, and 3. We have watched all three episodes. We are going to cover all three of them on this podcast, um, but we're going to try and talk about each episode individually as we go through. Um, So make sure you've watched all three episodes. Some things may slip in from Episode 3 into our discussion about Episode 1, but we're going to try and keep them separate so that you can listen to them uh, after you've watched all three episodes. But if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, you can subscribe to the podcast over on tvpodcastindustries.com. Pop on over there. There's subscribe links in loads of different places. We also have a main feed for Pennyworth, the Pennyworth podcast feed, which has every episode that we've covered for Pennyworth and Gotham, as far as I remember. Yes, so you can um, just search... The Pennyworth Podcast or TV Podcast Industries on any straight-laced or groovy podcast player of your choice. Absolutely. And we want to hear your thoughts about the series Pennyworth. Please email us in to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with your thoughts to be included in our Royal Mail feedback section for Pennyworth. I've, for- I've forgotten we had called it the Royal Mail feedback section. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I've forgotten quite a lot. I'm going to be rusty as anything on this (laughs) well let's see let's catch everybody up on where we are and uh everything to do with the show how about we start there john yes let us get into our spoiler filled discussion of episode one of pennyworth season three Mm -hmm. well to do that's right that's right this episode was written by bruno heller the creator and showrunner of both pennyworth and gotham and the mentalist that's right that's right and that was uh, the big one seven seasons that's right yeah yeah but now Combined, Pennyworth and Gotham have more seasons in them, John. So, that is true. Uh, so this is his bigger show. Uh, this episode is directed by Rob Bailey. This is the seventh episode of Pennyworth that he's uh, that he's done. Uh, three more episodes to come this season. And he also did 11 episodes of Gotham. So another, uh, another fellow Gothamite uh, continuing on the work on Pennyworth. Definitely. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for episode one of Pennyworth season three? Well to do. Sure. Five years after the English Civil War put an end to the Raven Union... Alfie, Dave Boy, and Bet Sykes are busy rounding up people with enhancement, P-dubs, and delivering them to the government through Martha Wayne and Lucius Fox. Meanwhile, Thomas and Martha are surprised when they are visited by Patrick Wayne. Thomas is a strange father who is in town on business to find a missing asset, Dr. Glub, who recently evaded and killed his CIA handler. He is accompanied by a lady called Virginia Devereaux, who is mandated to do whatever is needed. Alfie and Dave Boy have a new job to track down a missing socialite, Jessica Thistle, and return her to her parents. It's a good paying job, but Beth is distracted, trying to find former Raven leader John Salt. She finds two former Ravens, and after killing them both, she's left with a concrete lead on John Salt. And a baby. The lads track Jessica to the commune of Sister Susie, and take the drugged-up girl back home. But after one night at home, Jessica murders her parents and turns up on Alfie's doorstep, covered in blood. What a bloody ending to this episode. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) We we are back in London. 
Jessica looking like something out of Carrie. Mm-hmm, exactly. We are going to talk about our top hits for this episode, uh, our top points uh, on, on this episode uh, to kick us off. Uh, so it's the big thing really is that we're in a period five years on from the last season of, uh, of Pennyworth. And we kind of get the announcement straight off the bat that the civil war has been won mostly by Gully Troy, this, uh, this enhanced human, uh, a guy who was effectively an antagonist throughout season two, yeah. but then they stuffed a bomb inside him, saved his life and turned him into a super weapon <laughs> to fight off, uh, to fight this battle uh, of the English civil war. So, uh, so interesting start here that we're now five years later and there's loads of enhanced humans, these P dubs as, uh, as Martha dubs them and gets quickly slagged off by Bess Sykes, of course, uh, for that, uh, little naming that she's given them. Yeah. So lots of these people with enhancements all around the place, including Captain Blighty. Mm. But it's kind of, you know, where are they, where have they come from? I actually also, the opening here with London being bombed and so on during the Civil War looks mm-hmm. really epic. Uh, I really enjoyed that as well. It's very cool. Um, for sure. But it seems as though, you know, order has returned. The Raven Union is disbanded or in flight mm-hmm. or in hiding. Uh, and we have here um, both Alfie and uh, Dave Boy and Bet now all teamed up um, to round up these enhanced individuals yeah. for a, a, a small fee. Yes, and, 500 uh, quid, John. That's well, a big fee. Yeah. Yeah. And deliver them to uh, Martha and Lucius. Yeah. Yeah. For what? We don't know. Exactly, but we do see Lucius getting his choice as to whether he will keep a particular enhanced person or not. We have that kind of opening scene, really, with Alfie uh, taking in the uh, the guy with the metal arm that, yes. uh, that he doesn't have any control over, um, whose name doesn't matter, as he says. Uh, my name doesn't matter. It's not me doing this. It's the arm that's doing this. So he has absolutely no control over this uh, this enhanced arm that he has. Uh, but when brought into Lucius, Lucius gets to choose whether he keeps him or not for experimentation, I guess, or for investigation as to where it's coming from. What do you think, John? What's your theory to start with? I think this is John Salt still out there creating enhanced people. Well, that was um, that. That's yes, that is my theory at at the moment. Um, to be honest, although we do have a slight curveball around this theory because we do see a doctor, Doctor Glob, mm-hmm. um, as we learn, uh, escaping some kind of handler here from the CIA. And, um, you know, this, this develops, uh, over time. We certainly find out here that he is, um, connected with linked to Wayne Industries. Mm. Is this something to do? You know, is this, uh, John Salt's, one of John Salt's former sort of lab, head of labs or something? Or, you know, that has been taken on by Wayne Industries? Is it just a Wayne Industries scientist? Um, so we see this, which is kind of, you know, bit intriguing you know is this to do with the p-dubs uh, or is it something completely different here yeah. and of course everyone as well is, is sort of settling into this new rhythm as it's five years on as mm. well so the connections aren't made here um in terms of this dead uh, cia operative bit turning up mm-hmm. but the one thing that the the government does realize now headed by prime minister aziz is it is a cia operative they 
the CIA haven't come looking for that operative, mm-hmm. therefore he must have been up to no good. So this Dr. Glub is very intriguing as to why he uh, slit the guy's throat uh, in order to escape uh, from uh, what I'm thinking is his handler at the moment for, yeah. for whatever reason. Yeah. So, And that's something similar to, to what we saw with uh, Lucius Fox coming over to the to the UK yeah. last, last season. We saw that he had handlers around him all the time. And of course, we know that John Salt is still on the run mm-hmm. because we see um, Mrs. P, Mrs. Pennyworth, looking for love in the Lonely Hearts section mm-hmm. at five years on again. People getting into a new rhythm. She, she, it's, it's time for her to have a bit of uh, rumpy pumpy, a bit of adventure <laughs> in old London town. But the front headline is was John Salt. So yeah, uh, yeah, kind of a, a good little sort of summary of where we've come from, how the Raven Union has been defeated, and where we're at now. Uh, which I think can takes us on to our hit number two, which is Alfie and the boys and the job. So their normal job is rounding up these P dubs. That's that's kind of the the quick cash flow coming into uh, Alfred's business, which he's expanded, which is this um, almost like a PI uh, investigative office. Headed yeah. by, he's got a new general manager, mm-hmm. and um, I like him because he's yeah. uh, he's kind of making sure that everything's on track, but still getting a bit of pushback from from Alfie, who kind of wants to step back from the day to day business. Yes, but remember, this general manager also has to deal with Beth, who doesn't seem to be really that willing to uh, to take missions from uh, from anybody at all. Definitely, <laughs> um, but they they're given a new job, this missing person. Um, mm called Jessica Thistle that Alfie investigates. Um, It is her nanny or the nanny of the household because she's she's 18. Mm -hmm. So if she still needs a nanny at that age, then, um, (laughs) you know, God help her. But But she does say she's she's been her nanny since she was about two. Exactly. So just like Pennyworth, just like Alfred becomes effectively nanny to bruce wayne uh up until the, up until he's in his 40s and 50s <laughs> yeah we we kind of have that with uh with this character here this nanny who's still a member of their household in some way yeah, yeah. i guess i don't understand it but nonetheless um i guess that's what rich people they need to spend their money so the nanny stays on and because that's the point jessica's parents are um, are very rich, uh-huh. and her father is heads up Thistle Industries mm-hmm. as well. So very important. And um, we get a great introduction, though, as this investigation goes through. Uh, Alfie goes to the nightclub where she went missing, mm-hmm. but ends up at this happy cult uh, or commune of Sister Susie, which Sister Susie I loved. She is very well known on British TV. I think she used to be in The Bill. Um, but I loved the potty mouth on Sister Susie. She kind of goes from being a zen-focused head of this commune to when being challenged um being very very potty mouth lots of effing and blinding going on uh really 
Yeah, she was absolutely hilarious, wasn't she? Yeah. You know, being the spiritual leader of this uh, hippie cult and um, the kind of effing and blinded that comes out of her <laughs> just to get rid of Alfie and Dave Boy who've, uh, who've come in. <laughs> As she says to Robert, you know, they, they've interrupted the meditation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so hippie, really like Hippie this. Robert's very fun as well. But yeah. I, I love that, you know, ultimately she says she's got connections but that doesn't wash with alfie mm-hmm. and then it's well if she agrees and wants to of course she can take her they go to jessica's room say do you want to leave she says no mm-hmm. and they take her anyway and she's just yeah. left the sister susie they get jessica back to her parents yeah. uh, as well but the interesting thing we see here is that the Thistle House is being watched. Uh, an, an unmarked uh, car is on the other side of the road. Well, that's mm. where the camera focuses. Yes. So, yes, interesting. As she's being left home. But she doesn't really want to go home at all, even after being uh, taken away from uh, from this hippie commune, effectively. So Alfie, to calm her down, gives, him, gives her his phone number and home address, which is why, after she murders her parents, uh, she ends off at Alfie's doorstep. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, really good ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I also just like the image of her parents sort of stumbling out the front door, mm. um, w- with Jessica then sort of m- entering that door frame, uh, just covered in blood with a big knife. Yeah. Um, but she manages to get herself to Alfie's, where he takes her in, and so yeah, it, it's uh, yeah. again, it's a nice violent aspect uh being introduced into um pennyworth here yeah. I and mean, it's always had that little tinge you know of of the the violence of this world so uh yeah it was really good absolutely i don't really know how she made it all the way across the city uh covered in blood carrying a knife uh all the way over to alfie says i don't think he lives in the same neighborhood as the thistles no, not really so- uh, alfie and his mother are certainly in a terraced uh house yes and this was very much the burbs for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. The really big house burbs as yeah. well. So that kind of sets up our murder mystery, I guess, uh, for the season. Well, I th- yeah, I'm, I'm guessing so. Yeah. You know, why did this happen? Was it Sister Susie and Robert from the, the commune? Mm, maybe. Or is it something else? And I, I think that brings us on to our uh, top hit number three, because... Within all of this, we have Martha and Thomas Wayne mm. with now with their daughter, Samantha. Thomas Wayne is a doctor now, he so is, yes. very much moving towards Gotham yeah. uh, and America. And Martha is this field officer with Lucius Fox in um, the in MI5. What we do find out, though, is that Thomas believes that she works in the public records office yes. and not with MI5. And it's to do with a deal that they made to get out of the dangerous business that they were in once their daughter, Samantha, was born. Mm-hmm. But another um, sort of left-field tackle coming into this relationship is the visit of Patrick Wayne, Thomas's um, sort of estranged father, really. Mm-hmm. Um, he really kind of dislikes and hates his father so a lot of history uh here that we you know we we don't really get to hear but patrick wayne is you know at least on the face of it starts to say these he has to try and fix this relationship with his son mm. on the face of it you know meet his granddaughter meet his granddaughter yeah. meet martha who's you know managed to get um thomas settled down 
But ultimately, what we see here is he begins to open up a bit more um, to to Thomas mm-hmm. uh, around his U.S. government connections um, linked to the dead handler and also this lost asset of Dr. Glubb in the UK is looking to retrieve him before the British government does. So, and as a result of this, Thomas grudgingly um, sort of finds out about the the lie that is Martha's public records office um, job and realizes that she's more um, active as a field officer, Mm. not desk-based in MI5. Yeah, but it's 99% desk-based. Yes. 95%, maybe 93. Well, I felt they overcomplicated (laughs) this because he's saying to Patrick, public records office, Mm. but actually he knows that she works for MI5, but that it's purely a desk base. Yeah. And there's no danger. There's no chance that she will um, get into trouble, get hurt now that they have the daughter. And that's the arrangement that they came to. Yeah. But there's more of a field element to this job. And she reports directly to the Prime Minister. Yes. So um, it has a bit more threat and danger to it that Thomas would have known about. So that kind of just riles him up slightly. You know, he, he tries to subdue that as mm-hmm. though... So, you know, by saying to his father, well, your intel's wrong, you yeah. know, but... It, it, but he's know, still hiding bits of it from, from his father. He's still yes, got that, exactly. that knowledge of what's going on with Martha. But I do really like, again, love Martha Wayne. Uh, really, really like her turn of phrase. As I say, her saying, it's a 95% uh, desk job. 95% of the time I'm there at desk. Well, technically, the other 5% could be the most dangerous <laughs> parts of any job. But she's still saying, from a percentage point of view... <laughs> I am just sitting at a desk, but actually she's uh, she has some serious danger going on. You know, we saw her out there collecting the people with enhancements. That yeah. could go wildly wrong, and she's out there in the field doing that work. So, uh, so yeah, so she's obviously uh, bending the truth quite a bit. But I do like uh, that's that's always been a thing of Martha's anyway. She's her own woman, uh, willing to willing to do the work uh, that's required of her. Well, so, that's it, yeah. and the other intriguing thing with the pop-up of Patrick Wayne is the pop-up with him of this unknown woman Mm. uh, to Thomas of Virginia Devereux, who is being portrayed here as, you know, a friend of Patrick's. More um, than a friend. Yeah, yeah, accompanying him, going to be doing a bit of shopping, a Mm -hmm. bit of socialising and so on. But looking... You know, as we see later, where she gives him a right crack across the face to snap him out of it. Mm-hmm. Snap out of it. <laughs> um, then, you know, she's a tough cookie and is mandated to do, as I said, whatever is needed, which includes potentially giving the um, the order for something to happen against the thistles. Mm. Yes, she does seem to have that connection there. You hear her giving that order um and yeah she seems to have thomas wayne the head of wayne enterprises you know under their under her thumb completely He's, yeah i guess in a sense she is his handler um yeah. cia mandated so she's the one that calls the the shots in relation to getting uh this dr glub back 
Yeah, and that's that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Is it because of the amount of uh, of government contracts that Wayne Enterprises have? Is that why she has the hold over them? Does he actually work directly for the CIA and not for Wayne Enterprises? You know, uh, it's it's quite interesting that she has that kind of level of control over someone that you would expect, and we've heard in the past is in full control of everything that goes on in his life. So uh, so let's see how that one plays out as the yeah. season goes on. Uh, one other thing we've really got to talk about in this episode is Beth's mission, uh, Beth's own mission, uh, because she takes <laughs> it upon herself uh, to search for the former members of the Raven Union in her in her needs, really, to capture John Salt after he got away uh, from her and from the rest of the team last season. Um, loved this stuff once again. Great to see Paloma Faith in this role. She's so oh, she's good brilliant. on screen. Yeah, from the initial moments where you see that she's actually working with Dave Boy and Alfie now. Um, I love the bit of banter between uh, Beth and Dave Boy and, and Alfie at the beginning, where where Beth's kind of you know jibing at him for for once having some kind of relationship with Martha in the past. Yes. I'm just kind of surprised they brought that up on the show now that we have the family unit of Thomas and, and Martha and uh, and Samantha. In living alone, living together at home. I'm surprised they brought that back up to us as the audience, just as a reminder again. Remember, there was something that went on between those yeah, two. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it was good. I mean, yeah. I love that. I love that sort of tracking down Miss Dixon and then finally holding her and her husband oh, hostage. Yeah. Um, you know, she obviously has a massive dislike for geography teachers, um, <laughs> you know, in her interrogation, but the interrogation doesn't really. It's, she ties them up and just leaves them because they're not that they're, they're sticking to their false persona, which is they're no longer ravens. Mm-hmm. They've moved on and so on. And they know nothing about uh, it at know all. Nothing about it yeah. at all. I do like that Beth hogtied Mrs. Dixon and leaves her on the couch the whole time <laughs> throughout this. Just this really uncomfortable position throughout the day. And yeah. I love that she's talking to the baby, uh, Julia, where she's or Julie, where she's saying to her, you know, do you know where John Salt is? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know, thought that exactly. was really cute. Um, and then it turns out that's absolutely right. They haven't changed. They have this uh, this cool wardrobe full, I suppose, of uh, of former Raven um, guns and equipment. But yeah. seems reasonably live, right? It seems like they yeah. they've kept all the stuff. They are still an underground section of the Raven Union because she finds this clue to where John Salk could be. Absolutely, this book with all these dates and times. Yeah. Um, and all these connections to John Salt. So she's now really on the trail of John Salt. Yeah, and the interesting thing here then is when she returns to Alfie's office with baby Julia, all covered in blood mm. after killing the Dixons um, in a standoff, Yeah, you know, Alfie won't help um, Bet find John Salt or follow this ledger, the mm-hmm. information in this ledger. He's like, that's n- not what he wants to do. Um, and yeah. effectively gives her carte blanche to to go off and do that exactly and so that's that's kind of interesting that we don't have alfie involved here but i'm suspecting their roots will cross at some point yeah i'd hope so yeah uh, or else Beth's just disappeared from the season which i uh, which i would not enjoy no uh, exactly always, she's great always like seeing Beth. i think that's the main points from the episode anything yeah. else about the episode you want to talk about john uh no nothing from me uh we have to return to an old standard uh from the Pennyworth podcast, we have to talk about some of the translations, I suppose, that need to come from from the Cockney language, Cockney London language of uh, of Alfie, Dave Boy, um, everybody on screen, really, mostly from Alfie. He tends to use uh, lots yeah. of Cockney phrases. Uh, a couple of ones that I picked up um, when he's talking to the uh, to the P-dub that he's arresting, he says to him, it's going to be 500 quid, but if you were dead, it's only a pony. 
A pony is £25. Yes. Yeah, so a, a significant drop-off if he kills off one of the P-dubs. Uh, we have the renaming of Gully Troy as Captain Blighty. So Blighty is another name for Britain, for Britain yeah. um, from particularly used during World War One. So after this English Civil War, he's been renamed Captain Blighty. So Captain Britain, basically, is, is where that's coming from, which I, which I really liked. Yeah. Another one from Alfie saying, my life's pucker, which is, just means my life's great. Yeah. You're getting money for jam was another one, which is another way of saying money for old rope. So money for uh, easy money, basically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Any more? Uh, two more. Oh, off you go. Two more. One more from uh, from Dave Boy, which is uh, where he says, uh, no point of money greeting about it. That's a Scottish phrase, meaning um, no point moaning about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There you go. And last one is from Bet. I think she's used this before in a previous season, which is, I'm just going to scrag him. <laughs> and scrag him means kill him, but actually it means brutally assault. So brutally kill someone is yes. to scrag him. So there you go. That's your uh, notes and cockney translations from this episode. Excellent stuff. <laughs> I think it's important to keep these I, in. It is, actually, because yeah. I'd forgotten what a pony was in, in uh, monetary terms. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Good stuff. What do you think overall about episode one, John? Um, I thought this was, you know, pretty good opening. I'd give it three hippie cults out of five. Mm. I mean, for me, my my favourite parts of this was um, Sister Susie and and Bet. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really enjoyed seeing uh, Bet back in action. Um, it's a sh- it's a shame that she's kind of going off on her own and not with Alfie and Dave Boy because I really like that banter. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the intrigue around the Thistle girl Jessica and the murder of her parents and all linking in with CIA, this Doctor Globe and uh, Wayne Enterprises. Importantly, yep. I wonder if talking about you know the changes at um, Martha and Thomas's house. You know, now that their their daughter Samantha is five years older, Thomas Wayne is a doctor. Martha leading a little bit of a double life in terms of her job. Mm-hmm. That um, you know, the arrival of Patrick Wayne with Virginia Devereaux, who seems to be more connected to the CIA as a handler of him to yeah. get this asset. Whether that's going to disrupt and uh, affect this seemingly tranquil. Uh, family life of Martha and Thomas Wayne. Yeah. Also, just to to note that Mrs. Pennyworth is their nanny yes. in, in this case. So lots of nannies going on in this episode. Nanny central, <laughs> dare I say it. Yeah, um, but, and we didn't even mention it. I know it may seem surprising for people that have listened to the last couple of seasons of the uh, Pennyworth podcast, but we didn't even mention the fact that this is Samantha Wayne. Um, we we knew she was uh, pregnant last season. Uh, we knew she gave per- birth to Samantha Wayne, uh, a, a, a daughter, effectively, rather than yes. Bruce Wayne, a son. We don't know of any existing sister that Bruce Wayne had. So um, we, we're still completely confused as to who Samantha is. This could just be a completely alternate universe where Bruce Wayne does have a sister because DC do that very often in their stories, completely different universes, just tiny things changed. So um, that... Could- or is it altering the whole... DC Bat vs. Canon. No, there's no dun, such dun, thing. Dun. <laughs> there's no such thing. Loads of different stories, loads of different types of things. Uh, but it could be that that Samantha grows up to become Batgirl, yeah. Batwoman. Well, that's it. It's interesting, isn't it? It's almost like you could imagine this happening at Marvel and someone having a fit. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> because it, 
messed things up. Absolutely. Uh, from the, the neat straight edges. Yeah, absolutely. It's massively different. We cover lots of Marvel shows and TV podcast industries and, and lots of the fans are all about the canon. Everything has to stick to the canon. This is not what happens in DC. It and really is not what happens in, in Pennyworth. You know, even just simply to mention again, we had this move on of five years. We're now in the 70s, roughly, but this is DC's 70s. So there are still people with mobile phones walking around, which didn't exist in the 70s. So yeah. uh, once again, DC's version of uh, of the 70s is different to real world version of the 70s. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the only, my only thing with this episode, I would say, is I just I felt a little bit bamboozled with everything going on. Um, Mm -hmm. Not to say that it was scatter gun approach, but because setting up the new uh, season, tying off things from the previous one, I I just wonder, and it will all, it all just will depend on how it plays out, but Mm -hmm. I just wonder, um, you know, whether they could have just focused around the Raven stuff, you know, and John Salt and just, with Jessica's storyline, that was a little bit more, it was a little bit thinner on the ground, you mm. know, like with the introduction of Patrick Wayne in here, with everything that happened yeah. with Thomas and Martha, with the, the you know, the summary of the English Civil War in, in one minute, with the Raven still on the loose, John Salt, yeah. the lonely hearts um, of... Mrs. Pennyworth, because even though it's small, it doesn't seem like it's connected. I, there's something about Bruno Heller's writing that sometimes these little things come in and play mm-hmm. later on. So I felt there was a lot going on. And so I just wonder maybe a little, it could have been a little bit simpler for I think, me. I think it could have been tighter. You know, there's, there's bound to be stuff that we missed from this episode because so much was was put into one episode. You know, it's, it's just an hour and they're trying to cover off every single character we've met in the past. You know, even Alfie's former girlfriend, Sandra, is now a famous singer with yes. billboards everywhere and her song playing everywhere. You know, that that's that's something that is following on from last season when Alfie dumped her to move to America and then didn't move to America. And now she's a famous singer in the UK. But it's told in these really quick snapshots pushed in with three or four major storylines that they're trying to deal with. Yes. I think that explains to me why they've put three episodes out in the first day um, so that you don't go away at the end of this episode with just that moment with um, with Jessica killing her parents and then have to come back next week to find out more. Agrees, agrees. Because yeah. now you can kind of see it as one big movie in, in uh, the three episodes. Yes, I would agree with that. I think it's a smart move to have released the first three episodes. And sure. speaking of which, let's go on to our discussion about episode two, Many Clouds. Yes. This episode was written by John Stevens, former executive producer on Gotham. I uh, was uh, quite would, uh, kind of a lead producer on the last couple of seasons oh, of Gotham as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was very heavily involved in the show uh, and has been involved in Pennyworth uh, for the last couple of seasons. And this episode was also directed by Rob Bailey, who, who directed the first episode of this season. Yes, exactly. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for season three, episode two, Many Clouds? Sure. The mystery of the Thistle's death continues at the highest level of government, as Prime Minister Aziz takes an active interest in the case when connections are made to the CIA activity in England by Martha and Lucius Fox. Alfie and Dave Boy move Jessica into hiding after an attempted kidnap from the hospital where she was being held. They move her to a safe house owned by Sandra, Alpha's former love interest and currently number three in the music charts. Meanwhile, in an attempt to build back their relationship, Thomas offers to help his father find his missing asset, and suggests putting Alfred Pennyworth on the case. But as things begin to improve between his father, 
They seem to deteriorate between him and Martha as he confronts her about her real job in the field with MI5 that she has been keeping secret from him since the birth of their daughter. As Martha's job takes her to the commune of Sister Susie, she learns that a new psychotropic drug developed by Dr. Glub was trialled on the members of the commune. Before she can garner more information, the CIA barge in, killing Sister Susie and almost taking out Martha, before Alfie and Dave Boy show up in the nick of time to dispatch the secret servicemen. Realising Jessica was exposed to the drug, Alfie and Dave Boy race to Sandra's. As they get there, Dave Boy shoots Jessica dead to protect Sandra, but he can't help her partied out dead murdered friends. <laughs> oh no. Yes. Another dark end <laughs> Just to a another bit. episode. Well, by the end of this episode, I think Jessica's got a bigger sort of murder count than Jeffrey Dahmer, from I what so. I can see. She's like happy-go-lucky with a carving knife. Absolutely. And I also think um, a lot of this cast need to move over to The Walking Dead. Uh, Alfie, <laughs> Dave Boy, um, Martha, uh, Beth have all done amazing quick headshots as well. You know, that's it. Double tap or quick headshot. Yeah. Take out all the zombies. So uh, maybe maybe a crossover there in the future. <laughs> well, certainly given Sandra's uh, apartment, it almost felt a little shining going on that it was, you know, that Sandra's um, friends from the music industry all partying whilst there's this traumatized girl has been dumped uh, by Alfie and Dave Boy the mm. And then she gets um, her her trigger mm. um, to make her go all stabby McStabby. Well, yeah, let's 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 start off there. I think uh, with the trigger um, yes. itself. So, caravans and candlesticks. The song by Sandra that has now been going around my head for about a week and a half uh, since we got the yeah the, the previews for this yeah. show. Number three in the music charts. Yeah. That's a really interesting trigger to choose, isn't it? You'd presume a song that's number three in the music charts is going to be played everywhere across the country pretty much it's on heavy rotation at the time let's think about radio stations in the yeah, 70s exactly so what happens if jessica goes <laughs> to her quarter shop um to get a, to get a can of coke or something and that song is playing in the background does she kill the person behind the counter is that what happens <laughs> i'm guessing so well and also from episode one we know now that the trigger was the ice cream van that was playing Sandra's tune in in the ice cream fashion, ice cream van fashion? Was ding, it ding, though? Ding. I, it must have been. I, I feel like that was that was just an indication that it was playing on the radio at the time, <laughs> and they happened to have the radio on in the house at the same time. So if all yeah. of if all of Susie's commune um, people were from you know the the upper class mm -hmm. effectively that whole street could have been rivers of blood i guess uh with lots of people stabbing as the ice cream van <laughs> sort of playing its tune whizzes past well yeah I, I i would guess here that the the point is that she's the one that had the drug tested on her yes and that the thistles were the target definitely but it does seem odd that this song will trigger her to kill anything in her way anyway. So if they'd been playing the song at a party in the commune, uh, potentially she could have killed everybody else yes, in the commune is, exactly. is, would be the big concern. Yeah, I mean, it's targeted in the sense of the person they gave the drug to mm -hmm. and that was it. But you're right. If she had recovered fully mm -hmm. and was walking around central London and walked past a record shop that was blaring it out, yeah. I guess it would have been um, more than the 
post boxes and buses that were read. Well, yes, yes. Bloodbath and Regent Street, uh, I guess. I guess so. <laughs> but yes, Caravan and Candlesticks, uh, the new murder theme uh, for London in the 70s, basically. Yeah. but um, Poor Sandra. <laughs> it's not a great legacy to have. No, exactly. And poor Sandra, because effectively she is almost killed. It's only with Dave Boy shooting Jessica directly in the head and mm-hmm. um, saving Sandra. But all her, her mates, all her friends, all her, her associates from the music industry, all just wiped out by little old Jessica. Yeah. But at least her new boyfriend, who was number six in the charts, is also wiped out. <laughs> yeah, <I> mean, <laughs> exactly. That's helpful for Alfie, isn't it? I, I, I'm guessing so. I, yes. I could see a little jealousy there uh, yeah, from Alfie, definitely. even though he's the one that broke it up. You can tell he still has a thing for Sandra, though. Oh, definitely. Yeah, he's, he's ruining that call that he made there, for sure. Yeah. 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 Where else do you want to go in the episode? Let's let's move around. Let's talk about some of the some of the other big fun things that happened in this episode because this one was, I think, a better episode than the first episode. I enjoyed this one a lot more. Um, certainly enjoyed uh, the moments where Day Boy was trying to help Jessica in uh, in the uh, to get out of the hospital <laughs> that, that she was, was in awesome. in Saint Olaf's, um, where we have that battle down the stairs um the reason i probably, probably liked it more is because it doesn't go the way you expect it to you totally expect the hero to grab the wheelchair after he's dispatched the member of the cia or the person that's trying to kidnap her um but he misses it <laughs> and poor uh poor jessica in the wheelchair uh goes down two flights of stairs but luckily into a softened room of, uh, of cloths <laughs> well, and, all, and towels well, all of that that whole because it's two flights so mm-hmm. She goes down the first set and then turns the corner yeah. facing. It almost reminds me of, you know, a naked gun type mm-hmm. s- sketch where, but rather than OJ Simpson fly- going down the stairs and flying off, yeah. it's like she goes down the stairs, stays in the chair. Uh-huh. The chair doesn't unbalance in any way and then sends her into, you know, soft pillows await her effectively that she she careers into yeah so i really i really enjoyed that i thought it was good fun um as we see again another cia member trying to kidnap her from the hospital ward yeah. that she is being held at after after this um after the murder of her parents yeah absolutely and followed by uh by Dave Boy, played by Ryan Fletcher, probably his best moment that we've had in the last couple of seasons where he's standing in the lift after saving Jessica. The door opens with uh, with a man on the other side of it, Dave Boy covered in blood, uh, the man on the other side going, are you okay? <laughs> and Dave going, um, well, are you a doctor? What's it to you? And he goes, well, actually, I am, as in you're in a hospital. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And just the the uh, incredulity of Dave Boy kind of looking at this guy going, what's he doing? Either you get in to the lift or or stay out. I've got things to do, basically. I love how Ryan Fletcher delivers that. Really good fun. Yeah, he, I think his delivery uh, has Always. been absolutely brilliant yeah. um, so far. Yeah. And so- he's gotten through two episodes without getting shot. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, a uh, lot of drinking though. Of course, uh, of course. But uh, that's that's the character. Um, I think the other side of this, we find out that the nanny that hired Alfie and set him on um, the investigation of Jessica Thistle mm-hmm. uh, was uh, false. She was an actress. Yes, who was paid to do it. But the other thing I then really liked was, with, you know, with these new snippets of information coming out, we've both got 
Alfie looking into this, but also Lucius and Martha mm-hmm. uh, as well, because there's an active interest in this from Prime Minister Aziz, given uh, episode one with the dead CIA operative um, on the autopsy table, yeah. um, you know, after being killed by Dr. Glob. So mm-hmm. there's real sort of high level interest here. And I, I like that um, uh, they investigate the death of the thistles uh, and the this U.S. connection. Yeah. And they're looking essentially for rich hippies. And effectively, with the the involvement of Lucius, um, who, who looks at the autopsy results from the dead CIA operative, mm-hmm. that there is this particular sort of trace element um, on, on the hands and so on, where they're... It's effectively some kind of drug. Yeah. So they're looking for rich hippies. And for me, it all uh, nicely comes together back at Sister Susie's, mm-hmm. um, also known as Susan Cardigan, as we hear, where she gives her real name. That's right. Uh, again, just the indignation that Martha has broken into the place, you know, tries mm-hmm. to knock her out is, is really having a go at her. Again, lots of real fruity language being thrown at, yeah. at Martha and um, at where we get in a sense, actually what's happened that Dr. Club um, and ultimately the American CIA handlers have have messed up here because they were trialing a new psychotropic drug Mm -hmm. with this commune um, and and checking it out. There is this link with Wayne Enterprises uh, as well because what we see is then two CIA goons showing up, killing poor Sister Susie. So I I must say, I'm sad to have lost Sister Susie so early. I thought she was a great character. Yeah. uh, and almost taking uh, Martha out as mm-hmm. well, but Alfie, his his line of investigation had brought um, him back to Sister Susie's, so was able to take them out. But yeah. you've got two dead CIA agents there. But in all that commotion, in, in that fight, a, a fake panel has been blown out, mm-hmm. and you see a camera filming. Um, the use or the administration of this new psychotropic drug with a Wayne Enterprises logo on it. Exactly. This drug seemingly to create more efficient killers. Yeah. And as soon as that, as they look through the other material in this sort of hidden secret room, mm-hmm. which then leads them to have to race off to Sandra's because Jessica is pumped full of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I, and I like that it, it kind of connects with Martha's suspicions that we saw from last episode about Patrick Wayne and why he's over here. Yes. Um, I love that when uh, the conversation was going on between Thomas and Martha last episode, when he was saying, my father told me that you have a license to kill and that you're a deep cover agent. Instantly, Martha went, hang on a second. Why is your father even interested in, in yes, this? Exactly. How does he have that information? And Thomas was getting indignant about the fact that she may have lied to him. But he's she's posing the obvious question. Hang on. Why would your father, who lives in America and runs Wayne Enterprises, know all this about me? Yes. And why is he interested? And now connecting back to that is this uh, is this camera with Wayne Enterprises on it. And definitely some serious involvement here from Patrick Wayne's company. Yes, definitely. 
the one thing I would say is Sister Susie uh, certainly went out with style and grace after the bullet yeah, went did. through um, her forehead because yeah. with all the kind of the the the, the light fabrics that were mm. draped down, she kind of just danced. She kind of danced with them as yeah. she fell to the ground. I thought it was quite uh, artistic, really. It certainly was. Quite meditative. <laughs> Died the way she always lived, I guess. <laughs> exactly. Except the, dis- the disdain <laughs> that she has for the hippies that surround her <laughs> in that she would sell off their hippie experience to the CIA for extra money uh, did make me laugh. It's yeah. like, well, they wanted to test some drugs. I was like, yeah, no problem at all. Why not? Um, <laughs> but that is who she's connected to. Remember back in episode one, the reason why she was saying to Alfie and Dave boy to get out, because I've got serious connections. She was saying, she was saying that she's connected to the CIA yeah, as well. So exactly. uh, just tying that back. I want to also quickly talk about Mrs. P's date <laughs> in yes. this episode, because I did think it was very funny. Um, yes. Poor Mrs. P. You know, she had to put up with Mr. P, Mr. Pennyworth, um, for so many years, who was a difficult man to live with, even though she loved him. They, they had a, a, a loving relationship. But yes. He was a difficult man to put up with, had very strict rules, and also ended off being uh, basically a, a British Nazi. Um, so, yeah. Uh, a very difficult thing to find out about your husband. And now it's been five years, so she wants to put herself back out there and ends off on a date with Frederick. Um, a man of the world, a man who knows how to how to write a Lonely Hearts ad with lots of hidden meaning in there. Yes. And poor Mrs. Pennyworth, who's never been on a date outside of her husband, of course can't decode uh, the seize the day underlying meaning of that, which is, well, have sex today is what, is what that well, means to people that know this code. Yeah, Frederick is game for a bunk up, as he <laughs> says, um, uh-huh. or a bit of how's your father, uh-huh. or a bit of, uh, you know, slap and tickle, Yeah, rough and tumble, rumpy pumpy. All right, and all Mrs. P wanted was a good a good cake and a nice cup of tea and a good chat with somebody, uh, somebody new to start off a relationship. I do love that we see her running uh, very quickly out from the tea house uh, shouting pervert behind her. Yeah. <laughs> Frederick. Or very she will funny. become the next Mrs. Spicer. Maybe, maybe. Wow, Mrs. Spicer from uh, from season one of, yes. uh, of Pennyworth. Mr. Right? and Mrs. Spicer. Mr. Right. Mrs. Spicer, yes. yes. Uh, that may have been... Um, the kind of people that Frederick would normally attract. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing so. <laughs> but I suppose in some ways a sad scene for poor Mrs. P, but at least she's getting herself out there. You have to have to go through the bad times to find some, someone good. Exactly. So at least she's trying. Um, much to the dislike of Alfie, we see that there's a little bit of a, a game of cat and mouse going on with Alfie and uh, and his mom, where she's hiding his gun every time because she wants to get him, wants him to get out of, uh, out of the life that he's in. And he's talking about this to his general manager, saying, well, you know, she's a pretty attractive woman. She's been on her own for five years. You know, she's probably got a lot of suitors. And Alfie goes, she's not an attractive woman. She's my mum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, I don't think he likes the idea of no. change. He also finds out um, from Thomas Wayne, who lets slip that Mrs. Pennyworth, it's her day off mm-hmm. today. Yeah. Because she uses going to Thomas and Martha's as cover. Yeah. Um, and that's as Thomas is visiting Alfie to see if he will do the 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 work for his father at Wayne Enterprises, exactly. that investigation. So, yeah. Um, he's being a protective son. He certainly is. He certainly is. Maybe overly protective. 
100% overly protective. Uh, yeah, she needs to get on with her life and, yes. and be able to have a life of her own. Um, he is still living there at, I guess, late 20s, early 30s. Yeah. Uh, for he needs to find a place he with all this money. He, he must be does. minted. Yeah. yeah. I'm guessing he bought Wayne Manor. <laughs> maybe he owns Wayne Manor with the amount of money he's yeah. making definitely he certainly seems to be making money hand over fist uh, this season uh, anything else about the episode that you want to talk about John? No nothing from me well I guess that just leaves us with a bit of uh, of Cockney slang uh, to decode for the episode John? Yes yeah um, first one I have is uh, can't leave her on her Todd on her own can't leave her on her own exactly uh, someone fitted her up that's another one she's been stitched up yes yeah so she's been she's been stitched up. Uh, last one, uh, I kept stum, kept quiet, kept quiet. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, so those are those are the three three that I found in the episode. Yeah. Well, there was also Frederick's game for a bunk up. Game for a bunk up. Aye. So, uh, as I say, ready ready for a bit of rumpy pumpy. Yeah. Uh, bit of love making. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so those those are the translations for this episode. Any ones that we may have missed that you want to translate it, uh, make sure you email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com uh, with those. Uh, I know we had a couple in last season uh, that we'd missed. So uh, so share them with us. Uh, we'll see if we can translate them to, to you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Or at least just say them out loud. Uh, maybe that'll be a bit of fun. <laughs> yeah. Overall, John, what did you think of episode two of Pennyworth season three? Yeah, I, I really like this episode. I give it three and a half bloody musics out of five. And mm, um, I think, uh, again, I loved Jessica's um, sort of turn with this psychotropic drug. I liked how that just kind of unfolded, you know, actually quite quickly, really. Mm-hmm. You know, this is something I feel could have possibly been held back a bit for some later episodes you know this this story is moving on fast at pace mm-hmm. i don't think there's any doubt of virginia and who she is yeah. um and and why patrick wayne is there um you know again there's some really interesting bits here you know in, in a sense almost the prudish um Alf, Alfred Pennyworth protecting his mother because he doesn't want to think of his mum having sex uh-huh. or dating another guy. You know, you also have this, have Thomas's confrontation of Martha about her true job. And, and ultimately in the end, you know, it's actually, there's not too much of an extension of what her job was. It's just she goes out into the field a bit more. So yeah. there's a bit more. Uh, risk for her job absolutely but he seems to take that really quite um personally and and, and as a as a front so i think he needs to chill out as old thomas a, a little bit i feel like that license to kill that she has is probably the tipping point yes and um, that's something you don't give unless someone needs it uh, yeah. in the uk so uh, he knows what she was like when she was in the war she was willing to willing to go all out uh, during the war so he doesn't want to leave um poor Samantha without a mother so I thought the arrangement that they had would guarantee that both of them are now working in a much safer environment uh, for their new child so, definitely uh, yeah so I, I can see why um I'm I was happy that he ha- that he seemed to have much more knowledge of what her job actually was than he was letting on to his father I thought he was being completely left in the dark and she was living this complete double life but they yeah. did have they did have an understanding of what was going on yes but just not Again, that he that she had a uh, a license to kill and and could be in harm's way, yeah, and was significantly in harm's way in this episode. She did almost die in this episode yeah. when she went to uh, confront Susie. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, and of course, R.I.P. Sister Susie, Absolutely. aka Susan Cardigan. Yes. Um, you will be missed. You will be missed. A short, sharp, and like a firework, you entered Pennyworth as you left. Exactly. Uh, really enjoyed it. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's get into the third part of our epic Pennyworth coverage uh, for episode three: Comply or Die. This episode was written by Robert Hull, another Gotham alumni. Uh, he did seven episodes of Gotham over its run. Wow. Yeah. 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 So another, another uh, former Gothamite. Yes. Uh, coming on over here, uh, working with Bruno Heller. Uh, this episode was directed by John East. This is his fourth episode of um, Pennyworth. He directed an episode in season one, two, and season two, and he's doing two in season three as well. Yes. Um, John East is a great British director. He's done lots and lots of great TV shows, including uh, Killing Eve. He did Last Kingdom as well. Yes. Um, Whitechapel. That's right. Uh, and also involved in the sort of redo of Lost in Space yeah. as well, which I absolutely enjoyed. That's really good. Yeah, it was yeah. a really good show um, for the three seasons. Really good sci fi. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff, John. Do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for episode three of Pennyworth season three, Comply or Die? Sure. At Lucius Fox's secret underground laboratory and home to all the captured P-dubs, Gully Troy, a.k.a. Captain Blighty, a.k.a. Hero of the English Civil War and Victor over the Ravens, is sad and feels trapped. Mm -hmm. He escapes the secret base to try and regain some normality, and Alfie is assigned to track him down before he does any serious damage. With Alfie otherwise busy, Dave Boy attends the funeral of Jessica's parents as he becomes racked with guilt and booze after shooting Jessica dead. As he drinks through the funeral service, he makes a sudden and very public admission that he killed Jessica, mm. sending the funeral and coffin into a spin <laughs> and is thrown out of the church. Despite the chaos... Dave Boy seems to have made an unexpected friend. After a frank conversation with Martha about her ongoing investigation into Dr. Glubb, Jessica Thistle, the CIA and Wayne Enterprises, Thomas Wayne tells his father Patrick everything that he knows. Patrick passes this to Virginia Devereux, who becomes spooked and drugs Thomas. At evening dinner with Martha, he attempts to kill Martha after he takes a phone call to the tune of Sandra's number three. Martha is stabbed by Thomas and struggles to fend off Thomas and stay alive. She is only saved by Mrs. Pennyworth's intervention after she knocks out Thomas with a massive candle holder. Ah, Mrs. Pennyworth in the dining room with the candlestick. <laughs> exactly. It may have been a lamp, I don't know, but it was certainly a weighty implement. Yes, although... It would make sense with caravan and candlesticks if it was a candlestick. It, exactly. <laughs> that she used. Um, and another, I, I think this is a really good episode. Yeah. Another, another really good one. Um, but again, each episode g getting better from the previous one for me. Um, yeah, it is for me as well. And I, I think it, it, it just reiterates what we said earlier about um, it was, you know, stroke of genius to kind of lump these together because I think it gives it more sort of time with these numerous threads that are here. Absolutely. You know, which, and it's beginning to sort of, um, you know, play out with the main threads now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the only thing I would say is we've not really had 
anything from Bet for mm-hmm. the last two episodes, yeah. which is a shame. It certainly is. I'm, I'm hoping that we're going to get uh, maybe even a Bet centric episode to, to see what's happening with her uh, searching out John Salt uh, as the episodes go on, because we've heard nothing since that first episode, as you said, um, about what actually is happening. We know that she's got a great lead. Uh, he was on the front of the newspaper, so um, so John Salt is present in the background i guess but uh but it'll be great to see what the journey she's gone on uh possibly with julie her new baby uh that she's been <laughs> carrying around with her i <laughs> don't really know what happened with julie either no i don't know what happened with julie <laughs> but it could be given the nature of pennyworth how uh, eccentric it can be and certainly now that john stevens is an executive producer mm-hmm. and indeed writer yeah. for the show and given his tendencies uh in the in Gotham. It's quite eccentric in Gotham too. Well, yeah. yes, very, very um, manic type mm-hmm. uh, input, I think, to Gotham, which it really was good, yeah. you know? Yeah. There's nothing negative in that. I could imagine that Bet has a, a baby carrier strapped to, mm-hmm. strapped to her and it's like a, a, a tag team. Yeah, that would be interesting. It'd be interesting. She's going into the field, you know, into to battle almost with um, this this baby Julia. I could see it. I could see it. Her carrying a gun in each hand and a baby strapped yeah, to her exactly. front. Yeah, that could be kind of cool. I could I could definitely see it happen. Definitely two moments in this episode that that reminded me of Gotham uh, and the some of the crazy storylines that were in there. And we'll talk about one of them first up. I think let's talk about Gully Troy and what's going on with him. Uh, poor sad Gully Troy, the uh, <laughs> yes. the Captain Britain, as we were saying before, Captain Blighty, um, held up as this kind of leader that won the war, but he's effectively trapped in this basement with all of these other people with um with enhancements uh, we see the guy that, that was captured in the first episode in there with all these other people with enhancements we see a woman that's able to uh, hypnotize people with her with her stare she hypnotizes lucius but he has these glasses that he's able to put onto her to block that hypnosis yeah, that, that was really cool I, mm. I actually loved just the whole uh, look and feel of him going into the secret entrance it's cool yeah down to this lab yeah. it reminded um, me of agents of shield from the 60s comic books yeah exactly and, and uh, man from uncle those kind of 60s and 70s tv shows yeah. exactly yeah it even reminds me of the dark knight with the mm-hmm. because wayne manor's destroyed after the uh, batman begins mm-hmm. just going into that shipping container and down into the underground sort of secret Layers. base yeah so really enjoyed this feel, um, and I thought it was done really well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Gully Troy, very, very sad, feeling very trapped. Yeah, not really appreciating, at you know what he's done. It's kind of, it's not really giving him sucker, so to speak. Mm. You know. Yeah, yeah. I will say though, it feels like a very dangerous job for Lucius to have every day going in, especially someone that can hypnotize him. What if she had decided to be the one to break out? She literally got inside his head in about three and a half seconds. Yeah. Um, very dangerous. And also how quickly um, Gully Troy gets out of this situation. He wants to go. He needs uh, Lucius's eyes to be able to get out and into that lift. So he just grabs Lucius by the head, puts his face towards yeah. the uh, towards the scanner, and then he's off. He's, he's free in the streets. Uh, and this is a John Stevens moment. This is a Gotham moment, uh, definitely. As uh, Gully Troy comes out in the street, you, you hear the police uh, coming to try and stop him. There's a big explosion going on. And then he 
effectively whips a police car over his head over the train behind and the police car explodes in the background that felt very gotham to me it, it, yeah it did to me but it, it felt really good as great. well like yeah. i just loved the whole set though the, the scene with mm-hmm. the train again it's like with gotham it there's a timelessness to this and um, you've got quite a modern train going across mm-hmm. the viaduct but then everything else almost looks 1930s still right you know or early 40s right so i really enjoy that even the police car seemed more modern than the the neighborhood that it was in you mm-hmm. know so i thought that was I thought that was a nice, nicely framed scene. It really I mean, was. it's yeah. even the opening scene with the Battle of London. You see all that happening. Mm-hmm. Remember from the first two episodes, very much still like the idea of smokestacks mm-hmm. around London. But when it showed it five years on, it was like the smokestacks were kind of like gleaming and modern, mm-hmm. uh, you know, very different and, and new modern um, skyscrapers uh, around the city. Uh, as well right you know right. so again i like that they've, they've still got that set design about it mm-hmm. yeah yeah you can't really place it you think it's around the 70s kind of idea but uh not really too sure taking loads of inspiration from various different things and of course as we said before on the show this is dc's version of london in a 70s kind of yes. era where it takes in loads of things that may not be there uh, in the real 70s of, uh, of the UK. I, I suppose, interestingly, Bruno Heller, the showrunner for the show and executive producer and lead writer for the show, this is where he grew up. He was born in 1960 and grew up in London in the 70s. So he's having lots of memories of what London was like yeah. at the time, uh, but merging it in with this DC world as well, which are like uh, really good, really good stuff. Um, then we get Gully Troy going off uh, to... Um, effectively hole up for the day in a bookies, uh, watching the horse racing uh, and take everybody in the uh, in the bookies hostage uh, while he's in there for the day with a case of what of whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and Alfie sent in to retrieve him. That's that's what they use Alfie for. It's a good bit of money that he gets for for the job. I like that he uh, effectively doubles his money because he says this guy's probably willing to kill me. I did sleep with his wife after all. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um. But they have a bit of a heart-to-heart, yeah. um, which I really liked because I really liked Alfie's answer when asked by Gully Troy, why would my my wife go for you instead of me? And he goes, well, I didn't get drunk all the time and beat her, which is pretty important in a relationship. Yes, exactly. So a little bit of realism coming home to uh, to Gully Troy. And then everybody else in the bookies um, kind of take an issue with Gully Troy ruining their betting day, uh, particularly the guy who yeah. just had a 50-1 to 1 loss as far as he's concerned. If Gully wasn't there, he would have placed a bet on that horse. And because of him, Alfie's able to stop uh, Gully because he's got that little switch in his back that turns him off or resets him for five minutes. Yeah, um, so Alfie manages to get this kill switch that mm. Lucius has told him about, even though Gully knows it's there and yeah. is, <laughs> is trying to, you know, he knows that's the game here but Alfie manages to get to it but with all the punters kicking off Mm -hmm. it becomes a race against time for Alfie to deal with them because there's only five minutes until that kill switch actually does kill Gully Troy yeah Uh, he needs to be rebooted and charged back up Mm -hmm. uh, by Lucius in his special sort of uh, vehicle. Yes, yeah. Again, uh, another fun touch with that, that he's actually awake the whole time and can hear the whole conversation <laughs> going on. So when uh, when Alfie's kind of criticizing him, he's like, 
I, I can hear you. Um, yeah. But I love how they build this up. I think, I, I do think the, uh, the, ticking timer that they set up was really good because yeah. once he switched off there's only five minutes to get him back he may die if you don't get him back to charge him back up with the machine so he switches him off and then it turns into a battle between alfie and all the other punters in the uh in uh in the bookies and alfie only has a certain amount of time to take them all out before uh getting gully troy back to uh back to be charged up i thought that was that added that extra bit of tension yeah and ultimately it. saved by by lucius yeah and um, i did Just like by opening the door though he didn't really get involved in the fight no there. exactly but <laughs> I, I i did like uh, as well with gully back in at the recharge station mm-hmm. still kind of low powered lucius and, and alfie are talking about him and he's like I can still hear you. <laughs> I thought gross. that was a nice little touch. That was really good. Um, I think as well here, you know, Davy Boy is not with Alfie. They've gone off drinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Dave Boy really wants to solve uh, the Jessica Thistle case um, because he's, he's seeing here that, you know, it's not for how Jessica is being portrayed. You know, there's elements of guilt here from shooting her in the head. That's how these two split up here. Uh, and we then, I get to our uh, hit number two, mm-hmm. uh, David Boy goes to uh, the the Thistle funeral on, on behalf of Jessica, really. Yeah. And everything. He's still drinking in the pews, mm-hmm. um, his little hip flask, people moving away. But there's a, a lady on the other side of the aisle mm-hmm. there where, you know, seems to be intrigued by, by Davey Boy. Yeah, he seems to have someone very much outside of uh, of their society, I suppose. This is uh, supposed to be a private funeral for uh, family and friends of the Thistles who were murdered, obviously, um, in the first episode. Yet we have Dave Boy walking in going, well, I don't even know them. I have no idea yeah. who they are. So this sets this lady, Sally, uh, really intrigued. And Dave Boy then proceeds to decide to deliver a eulogy for uh, for <laughs> Jessica in front of the entire crowd, drunk as he is. Um, once again, Ryan Fletcher in a great moment yes, here uh, as he delivers this uh, this. Um, Damning testimony, really. It confirms that he's the one that's killed Jessica, but he he talks about the fact that she's been poorly um, portrayed in the media, poorly portrayed that she's some kind of drug-addled teenager that went wild and killed her parents, but he knows she was a good person, Yeah, even though he had to shoot her in the head and kill her. Um, And yeah, then in the ensuing kind of um, battle with the uh, security guards who tried to drag him outside. He knocks over the caskets of both of both the thistle parents. Yeah, it's probably as bad as it could get. As Ex- a funeral, exactly. To be honest. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Definitely. But keeps uh, keeps Sally entertained, saying it's the best funeral she's ever been to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it looks like uh, looks like it might be a little love interest there for Dave Boy out of yeah, nowhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, she seems kind of intrigued by by Dave Boy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was a, it was a good little. Uh, scene but certainly you know this is the driver for for dave is jessica's death at his hands even though it was necessary at the time mm-hmm. there was no um there was no chance that jessica would, would be snapping out of it you know you, you can see this will be a real driver for uh for dave boy mm-hmm. so yeah I, I i thought this was a, a, a nice little sort of at this moment it felt like an aside but it was a nice one to yeah. You know, given Dave Boy is, you know, the only original member of um, 
you know, along with Alfie uh, in in that original team from yeah. the first two seasons. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, good stuff, good stuff. Will we talk about Dr. Glob next? I think so, because uh, he reappears. Coming he, out of the shadows. Yeah, he resurfaces, mm. um, wanting to uh, make contact with Martha, whilst um, Martha and Mrs. P are at a, a playground for S- Samantha. Mm-hmm. And I think it was really good. Uh, you know, Mrs. Pennyworth is talking about her incident with Frederick. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the the Randy, you know, it was a Randy sausage. Uh-huh. It was a bit of how's your father. <laughs> um, and, you know, Martha kind of saying, you know, don't let that one date put you off, you know, keep, keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it interrupted by, Dr. Glob, who wants to meet up with her at the Queen Anne's Revenge, which I think is the pub from the first episode. It's Alfie's pub, I think. Yeah, yeah. and it's Alfie's pub, but yeah. it's licensed to A. Pennyworth. Yeah. And um, so that's where we get to see uh, Dr. Glob, who wants to sell his expertise to mm. the English government after the thistles were killed because they were his original buyers for his expertise yes presumably around uh psychotropic drugs mm. uh, and their development but he is um he is being tracked by the cia and so glob um is ha- has to run out of of the queen and revenge pretty uh pretty swiftly to mm-hmm. escape the cia yeah but interesting um as as he heads out, he does say to Martha, it's not Patrick you need to worry about. That's right. Uh, and then we see that Virginia uh, is is there in that vicinity and sees Martha leaving uh, the pub that they just met in. Yes. So I'm guessing Miss Virginia Devereaux is very much a tough nut. I think so. Yeah, and definitely the one to worry about as we yes. as we've seen in the last couple of episodes. It's not Patrick. He's not the one in charge here. It's definitely uh, Virginia Devereaux. Uh, I loved how this tied up those stories um, that we've seen in the last couple of episodes. How we now know why the thistles are dead. I guess it's live by the sword, die by the sword, or live by the psychotropic drug, die by the psychotropic drug. I guess for for the thistles, they were the buyer, the original buyer. So now we know why they were killed. Uh, we have the motive now, um, even though we we know it wasn't Jeff jessica that wanted to kill them she was forced to kill them so it seems now in this episode and we'll go on to it on our next point with um virginia deciding to drug uh thomas wayne she was clearly the one that set that whole thing in motion to kill off the thistles this uh who were buying the the um drugs and, and the expertise from um from dr club yeah Wow, he charges a lot though, doesn't he? So, Five million a year plus yeah. uh, plus access to all of the um, the research he wants to get access to. That's a that's a massive investment. He says he's worth it though. I guess he is with all these people running after him. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Uh, yeah. So our, on to our next major hit, uh, which is the drugging of Thomas Wayne. This is another thing that felt very. Uh, Batman sixty six, very very comic book Batman. Yes. Um, this idea of. Uh, the person that you know really well being drugged and hip or hypnotized to be the one to kill you. And how do you get them out of that situation? Um, but I really liked how they did it in this episode. As, as a viewer watching it, you know that Thomas has been drugged. We see um, Patrick trying to push back against it. 
Um, she's gone too far effectively with uh, with Thomas on the floor, uh, knocked out after after being drugged. Um, I do wonder whether whether Patrick is under some kind of influence as well, because she tells him to go back to his room and it's like as if he's fighting against it, but still has to obey her orders. Yeah. I don't know whether that's just simply he has to obey everything she says, or is she uh, is she mind controlling him as well in some way? Uh, I, I wonder if if he's also under some kind of mind control. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Mm. But but I liked how it played out. Where oh, definitely. the next time we see Thomas come back in, he's done something really romantic. He's gone out and gotten dinner, a uh, bottle of wine. Uh, they're going to have a nice evening in together. Uh, we have the conversation between him and Martha where they settle the the issue that they had about about him yeah. not knowing everything that was going on. And then the phone rings, and once again, Sandra's Caravans and Candlesticks plays over the phone, triggering in a Manchurian candidate type of way. Yeah, still number uh, three in the charts. It might have moved up to number two now. Well, the amount of times they've played it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it triggers uh, Thomas to effectively kill his wife. Um, and I love how this played out. I love yeah, how this was, was filmed. Really the episode, uh, seeing what's what's happening inside Thomas's head, where he's almost picturing Martha as best when she was a member of the Raven, uh, the Raven Union. She she's wearing the same uh, outfit, has a very similar haircut, and they're battling back and forth across the table. And battling back and forth between what's actually going on and this vision that Thomas is seeing as well. I thought that was really well uh, yeah. well done. I thought that psych- psychedelic state, uh, the visual, was just really, really well conceived mm. and really well shot. Like, I loved how, you know, the, there's just Martha in a raven uniform for a start, but mm-hmm. just how it's all kind of greyed. The colours lost other than, you know, certain pops of it. Mm. But even, you know, during the fight, during the struggle between Thomas and Martha, I love how it interchanges. And and actually, you see Martha in the psychedelic state that Thomas is seeing, enjoying this. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, she hits him and there's a smile there. Mm-hmm. Um, even when he hits her, it's like so, sort of like a, a sadomasochist with the smile back from it and she she comes rolling on in and then it cuts to the the reality of it where you know it, Martha doesn't panic she's MI5 trained mm-hmm. in that sense but Martha. it's the fact that her it's her husband doing this it's exactly. the shock of that the panic of that on on her face yeah. and it just contrasts really really nicely and the fact that Thomas gets a stab in with the knife mm-hmm um, like that, I wasn't expecting. Um, he stood over her, and luckily, um, I'm guessing that Mrs. Pennyworth, um, has forgotten her keys or mm-hmm. something. She's had to come back for. Is there in the nick of time to save her as she knocks out Thomas? Yeah. Interestingly, though, as well, she lifts up the phone and hears the song playing and is confused as to what that is and puts the receiver down. Mm. But the important thing is she hears the song. I'm guessing they will know at some point once the dots are connected for uh, Mrs. P Mm. because... She was just like, what's that about? You know, put it down. So once that kind of formulates in her mind, or if she hears something, she might be the source to identify what the trigger is. Yeah, it could be it. It could be it. Yeah. There is one other person alive that knows that trigger as well, um, that knows that that was there when 
a murder happened because of the trigger, which is kind of our final point. Um, but I do want to say I love that moment. I love the triggering of Thomas Wayne uh, in, in this episode. Really, really good. Yeah, definitely. Final point really is talking about Sandra, who was the other person left alive after Jessica murdered everybody in the room when her song was played on the radio. So, so she may also have the idea of what that trigger is. Yes. Um, Alfie goes over to visit Sandra after his conversation with Lucius, where Lucius is talking to him. They're having a bit of a boys' chat, but Lucius isn't very good at boys' chats. Um, everything has to be serious. It has to be really deeply contemplative for him. Uh, Alfie's probably very used to going out for a couple of pints with Dave Boy, uh, where they just kind of talk a little bit about work, but never very deep. But Lucius and him are talking much more seriously about what happened with Gully. And Alfie says to him that the one thing you can mark Gully about is his arrogance, the, the belief in himself which is something you have to have to be a leader in the army. And Lucius thinks about for a while, kind of going, I never really connected those two things together. But it's the true belief in not dying and the fact that the world around you will make sure you live forever and you you never die seems to be what drives Gully as a leader yeah. and drives everybody that was ever a member of his army before, meaning someone like Alfie. Yeah. And it also links back to where Gully is talking to Alfie in the bookies about his wife and mm-hmm. the affair. So that's Melanie. Yeah. And Alfie's suddenly coming to realisation, well, Gully Troy needs a reason for hope to yeah. live and should go to America because he wants to go to America yeah. to um, to try and patch things up with Melanie, even mm-hmm. though Alfie doesn't think that's going to work. Yeah. That's, um, that's his yeah. hope. And that's what he says to... Um, to Lucius as well. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's why Alfie goes back to Sandra. It's that yeah. missed opportunity for him in the same way as the missed opportunity because of his actions with Melanie. Yeah. Um, so I, I thought that was quite nice as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and when he gets to the apartment, it's, it's really, it's really telling um, what he sees around Sandra, you know, uh, in the past she had her father who was kind of controlling and didn't really want her to be with Alfie. Um, and Alfie was in a really good relationship with her for for a time anyway, and helping her out yeah. and making sure that she was supported. Whereas now she's on her own. She's successful in her career, at least with the number three song in the country. Um, but she's surrounded by people who are just taking advantage of her. Um, really telling. There was loads of people murdered in that apartment. The blood still hasn't even been cleaned up. And now there's still even more people back in her apartment and a whole new crowd of people back in her apartment getting drunk um and and living it up on what sandra is giving to them um alfie sees this as a really sad state of affairs for her kicks everybody out and is there to take care of her so um so it is him reconnecting with sandra making sure that she does have that shoulder to lean on again yeah definitely and all coming from that conversation with lucius who doesn't see himself as a very good conversationalist no, not at all. But a deep thinker. Yes. Yeah. Great moment there with him. I really, really enjoy uh, seeing Simon Meona here as uh, as Lucius Fox. I, I just like the idea of him getting to the heart of a matter uh, and giving some help to Alfie that he wouldn't get anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, a, great, a great character. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's everything from this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Derek, any notes or Cockney rhyming slang that you want to uh, enlighten us with? <laughs> You're going to have to start taking the notes of the Cockney rhyming slang in the future, John. I have, have a few more uh, for this episode. Um, have, having a nice kip. Yes. Just having a sleep. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
Perhaps she's brown bread this time, which is dead. she's dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah which, you, which you know, uh, a bit of how's your father, which we talked about last time, exactly. which is having sex. Uh, and one more that I had to look up this time because I've always heard it but never knew what it meant, um, which was Dave Boy, again, with his Scottish slang, uh, saying, I'm Haven. I never knew what that meant because it's a, a, a lyric in uh, in the Proclaimers song 500 Miles, When yeah, I Haver, yeah. I'm Havering yeah. to You. Uh, what it actually means is I'm talking rubbish. I never knew that that's what that meant. Okay. So I'm havering. I'm just over here havering. It means I'm talking rubbish. Don't even mind about what I'm saying. Yeah. Basically. Excellent there stuff. There you go. Yeah, no, that's a good one. Talking like garbage. That. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. There you go. How about you, John? Any notes for the episode? Uh, the only one I've got is just where Gully says, I'm not a man. I'm a household appliance. Oh, yes. Yeah. Like, you're really down on, on his look, really. He certainly was. Yeah. Especially when he was knocked out by Alfie and went, I'm beginning to suspect you aren't as good a friend as I thought. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, well, poor, poor Gully this episode. I'm feeling a bit sorry for him, even though he was a bit of an a-hole throughout season two. Yeah. Just feeling a little sorry for for the predicament he's in. It looks like he may live forever as a household appliance exactly. that just gets plugged in and plugged out by the government when they need them to uh, to fight on their side. Yeah, exactly. They can't be left alone. Yeah. 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 Overall, John, what did you think of the episode? Uh, what's your, what, how did you rate it? I really enjoyed uh, this episode. I'd give it four uh, goggle girls out of five. Mm. Um, yeah, I just liked how this, this ran ultimately mm-hmm. um, to what happens at... Uh, Thomas uh, and Martha's evening soiree. I mm-hmm. uh, really enjoyed that. I liked how it just brought back in Dr. Glub and um, the connections. Again, it's just fleshing out everything. But I think in conjunction with the other two episodes, this did feel like it, you know, it came to that, that crescendo point mm-hmm. here for an opening episode. So it may have taken a, a long time with yeah. an hour for each episode, but I think it was worth it, and um, I just probably want to see more of of Bet mm-hmm. in, in here, to be honest. But um, again, I'm not too sure to what extent there is not a fissure or a split, mm. but in terms of the investigative work that Dave Boy and um, Alfie do, is Dave Boy going to be you know, on this Sissel case, Alfie doesn't seem that interested in it. It's, I don't think it's that he's not interested. He's just kind of going, hang on a second, you've got the combined forces of um, yeah, exactly. of all of the government that can look at this. Dave Boy, you're way out of your depth. They're probably better suited for this yeah, than I am. Definitely. <laughs> and I'm not getting paid for it. I, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. I thought <laughs> Lucius's lab was cool. The mm-hmm. whole uh, gully causing havoc out in, in London was brilliant. And I thought that psychedelic state of Thomas, just how that was done, was really, really good. Good to see um, as well Virginia being sort of... Um, you know, dastardly, really, when she drugs yeah. Thomas. Yeah. Uh, just that whole conversation with him. I thought that was a, you know, it, it felt proper sort of espionage, dastardly, yeah. you know, and like it felt, you know, 1960s Bond in that sense. Yeah. Uh, the setting, the use of the little uh, mirror to see where he is before using uh, the drug that on him. That was very him. cool. The, yeah, the, the mirror really and her lipstick, yeah, that yeah. was very cool. Very cool. So, uh, yeah, I would give this four 
Goggle Girls out of five. Yeah, yeah, I definitely feel it found its footing yeah. uh, by this episode. The first couple of episodes, I do think you're all right. Lots of stuff crammed into them, lots of things uh, cutting back and forth really quickly between all the storylines. They're trying to build together this mosaic to make the episode almost rather than giving every storyline time to breathe. Whereas in this episode, it felt like they, they got the balance of delineating the storyline yes. so we know exactly what's going on with each And pulling the section. threads from the, the previous two yeah. episodes and as pulling well. yeah. everything together yeah, in this episode. Exactly. So hoping for a lot more of this uh, of this type of episode as we go on uh, for the next couple of weeks on the Pennyworth Season 3. Uh, a reminder to our wonderful fellow governors and fellow former Gothamites, uh, make sure you send in your thoughts to us. You can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or come over and join us in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries uh, where I'll put up a spoiler post every week uh, for each episode as they're released and you can pop in your thoughts in there and we'll discuss them on the future podcast. Yes, and please make sure you stay subscribed to the podcast on the podcast catcher of your choice. Mm -hmm. Please share the podcast, uh, rate us, leave a review, because sharing the podcast is, of course, sharing the love. Absolutely. You can also support us over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash TV Podcast Industries or over on buymeacoffee.com forward slash TVPI. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And thanks so much to all of you who've been supporting us uh, over the last eight years of podcasting. Yes. It, we are covering as well at the moment Marvel's She-Hulk over on our Defenders TV podcast, as well as the Rings of Power on TV podcast industries. Mm -hmm. So uh, you can join us for those shows as well. Absolutely. We've just finished uh, our podcast coverage of the sandman mm -hmm. which was released in august yeah. on netflix another dc show another dc show mm -hmm. exactly so lots and lots of shows for you to come and join us uh, on as well yeah. as we discuss uh, in spoiler-filled fashion absolutely uh, everything about those shows and you'll get them all on our main feed at tv podcast industries wherever you listen to your podcast exactly we'll be back next week with pennyworth season three episode four silver birch looking forward to, to uh, delving back in to more pennyworth yes good stuff uh, as always fellow future gothamites fellow governors mm. it is a pleasure chatting to you about the world of Batman and Alfred Pennyworth mm. in particular. And remember, in the meantime, keep watching, keep listening, and keep serving realness. Bye. Bye. Bye.